like you know a lot of these stories really you know they're uh miracle stories so they follow a certain uh pattern but there's uh one uh that shows like the power of his uh it's like a conversion story which is a a you know common function of these sort of uh sophistic or uh you know rf maybe you'd say figures like uh they are dervishes you know they are uh the sort of vanguard of uh converting people because mm-hmm. kind of like a clarence 13x you know i think i made this comparison before they go out and they like meet people where they are you know they're okay. not like uh they kind of have these gregarious personae or uh also you know, reminds they, me a little yeah. bit of like the Hari krishnas you know mm-hmm. like at yeah, least like, you know like or, like I used to see them growing up all the you know oh, like we when they like Berkeley. chant you know like yeah they all just like, like chant around yeah. Hari Hari Krishna 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 you know yeah, like they yeah, do that exactly. chant Probably and they'll just like they, they yeah. kind of bring the party a little bit and you know and and people sometimes people kind of like you know get on board with yeah it a little definitely bit. It, so it's, it's similar... like a fun way to recruit people yeah you could say that it would have been sort of like that because they would be going uh nuts I mean there's definitely like you know, this is a practice that, uh, the idea of, like, Santa or, like, listening is, uh, a practice that has, like, uh, you know, many different expressions, and it's pretty old. Like, their, uh, standard way of doing it, like, the whole spinning in a circle, you know, even that Yo, okay, has wait. some precedent. Yeah, but, yeah. uh, now, now that I think about it, yeah, also really reminds me of Vito Pelikas and his freak dancers and the Frank Zappa scene being run by Mer- Mehmet, uh, or Achmet Erdogan. The Turk, uh, whose grandfather yeah, right. was a Sufi, was the head of a Sufi order. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Well, like, uh, hmm. yeah, well, and you think about, like, uh, I mean, when we talked about in the Laurel Canyon episode how he was someone, uh, Ahmed Ertuklin, that is, was someone who uh, was uh, a big uh, proponent of integrating uh, jazz performance into uh, more elite spaces or mm-hmm. more, like, traditionally white spaces, you know, like having jazz performers come into embassies or whatever where his father would yeah. be working and things like that mm-hmm. we sort of talked about that in the world canyon episode yeah, yeah. And you can see kind of how uh the association with music is so strong in the sufi tradition you know even mm-hmm. though they were nationalists who actually like if you look uh it, like if you look up the medlevis you can see how the ataturk nationalists eventually were like we need to destroy the medlevi order you know uh, mm-hmm. because they wanted to consolidate like their power and they still had this sort of uh, powerful political aura and could be seen for as sure. a threat you know uh for sure and some, yeah you know of course uh, you can see the parallels with the Janissaries who were uh, stamped out even before that, you know, it's another very mm. powerful, influential group that had some sophistic elements to it. Um, yeah. yeah with the who, who's to say that some of this uh, sort of religious technology was not repurposed towards somewhat different uh, spiritual ends, you know, in the yeah, 20th exactly. century through popular culture. But it's very interesting yeah. that the, the mm-hmm. dervishes were like the vanguard of proselytizing Islam. Yeah. And when you can, like, see how, you know, in the, like, uh, when he's, uh, in the story that we read earlier of the death of Rukhan al-Din, when he's saying, like, cr- crank up the horn, you know, like, bring in, like, the oboe, you know, like, uh, it's they, that, like, they are kind of freaky, you know, like, yeah, to be oh, honest, sure. like, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, and the, oh, yeah, even the oboe, I was surprised, much like Polo, I didn't realize the oboe kind of went back that far. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's like uh, obviously going to be like a version of it, but like, yeah, like the nay, sure. the reed fruit, fruit, it's famous, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, so uh, and we talked about like the sort of long hair thing and everything like that. I mean, hair is such a 
a powerful image that comes in through this book. Maybe we'll encounter a story that it's has also to do with, uh, with hair, but hmm, yeah. hair. Yeah. Um, well, it also it also really hair, like you know like that musical like <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. And, yeah. and also like uh, when right. I was thinking back to like the the Grateful Dead movie, the way the the, the kind of the typical style of um kind of Grateful Dead, particularly women who were like Grateful Dead, deadhead dancers and stuff was like spinning around. They usually had long flowing like hippie hair and they were always like spinning around. Like I think they might've even compared them in the documentary to whirling dervishes. And like they yeah, performed well, very was... much the same kind of function. Like they were the, like the, the Mary Vanguard, like spinning around, like kind of uh, tapping into the spirit and thereby like kind of promoting this quasi-religious cult around a jam band. But still, very yeah. music was obviously very central to that. And uh, they, I mean, they, they even, you know, were kind of into like their weird like world music kind of a... I mean, it's not weird, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, I forget, uh, I think Mickey Hart, that one, one of the drummers uh, was obsessed with like studying like African polyrhythms and Middle well, Eastern yeah, I mean, music and stuff. There was that whole Blues for Allah album, like, yeah. Allah, you know, like, all that. <laughs> and of course there's a huge, I mean, with the Beatles and like their interest in like, there absolutely is a huge influence, like, uh, mm-hmm. and even in jazz itself, you know, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit in maybe our Busta Rhymes episode, I think, uh, where we talked about how uh, the, the influence of uh, Indic or uh, Near Eastern uh, musical styles on jazz, often mm-hmm. through, like, Muslim musicians or uh, the Ahmadiyya, like, missionary movement in yeah. the U.S. and things like that. So there definitely is, like, a, a, a connection there. And, yeah, they were, uh, for, like, uh, this is, you know, when you p- see, like, a, a Mevlevi style, like, if you go to Turkey, like, as a tourist, and you go to see, like, one of these things, or you watch one on YouTube, it has this very regimented quality to it, where it's, like, this sort of slow dance, but mm-hmm. if you, uh, you know, even read, like, 19th century Orientalist accounts of these rituals, they're, like, you know, agog and, like, horrified at them, like, foaming at the mouth, and, like, stuff, you know, <laughs> like, uh, and they're just, like, oh, these, like, disgusting, like, dirty freaks screaming, and, you know, uh, and uh yeah yeah so they really could be very wild with it and i mean there's definitely uh in this obviously like the spiritually advanced people would be participating in some uh in some extent they would be in ecstatic raptures and they'd be moving around i remember there's a story of junaid who's another you know a much older uh, but uh influential sort of cp figure who's mentioned in this in this book as uh, a past exemplar and uh he was attending sort of a performance like this a samet like a, a listening session and other people were kind of running around and throwing their arms and sort of waving in ecstasy and uh someone asked him like oh you don't like doing this and he said well you know like i move internally so uh there is a tradition that like uh, mm-hmm. even sometimes if you look at persian miniatures you can see like uh the more advanced masters kind of are being still and the mm. the disciples are moving because like they can move internally uh wow. and it's the same sort of idea of like internal mastery and, and movement and you know uh this goes into sort of what we talked about where this the the sacrality um and the obviously like singing and dancing is something that's controversial uh in islam as it is in most religions to some extent mm-hmm. um but like the very controversy around it. there's a very interesting uh anecdote that I'll uh, look up after this uh, uh, other Shalabi story about a, b- a bunch of bandits that talks about like the the permissibility of the stamina. and there's also one about about wine that has a similar idea. But um, anyway, yeah. So this is a story about like a uh, uh, and his uh, 
you know, a conversion of a group of bandits and uh, mm-hmm. his his body and the, the power that he has over his own body, uh, mm-hmm. but also like its vulnerability to different types of, of injury. Uh, it's interesting. So it is transmitted that Chalabi had come forth from uh, Maidani Amasia uh, and with his companions was heading for uh, Kastamonu. On the road, he said, today will we encounter bandits. Be prepared. So again, precognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, after some time in the vicinity of the fortress uh, Othmanjak, they encountered uh, bandits from Eintap, uh, or Antab. The bandits raised a great tumult and shot a storm of arrows at him. He received a wound in his blessed leg. It is said that on that day, Chalabi was wearing a, the patched shirt of the Knower of God uh, over his tunic, or the mm. Telga Yarafi. So that's like a common thing where, like, obviously they uh, have this aspect of asceticism to them, so they will like wear bratty sort of patched clothes and often mm-hmm. over time they'll stitch it up together so it's a big symbol of like uh sufi uh, excellence is to have this okay. uh, patched cloth is uh, but anyway so when the arrows arrived they would bounce off the bandits thinking that he was wearing chainmail under his robe went on shooting arrows one after the other in the end they denuded the people of the caravan and stripped the companions they asked sheikh bahadin Kayat, the tailor uh, the custodian of the sepulchral shrine. Who is this person? He replied, This is Chalabi Eref, the offspring of Molana Jalaladin. Uh, he raised a shout and fell down. Uh, they raised a shout, the, all the bandits did, and fell mm-hmm. down from their horses. Bearing their heads, they stood in acknowledgement. All of them became disciples, and Chalabi gave the patched frock he had been wearing to their leader. Meanwhile, the bandits returned everything they had taken from the companions and the caravan, and having dressed Chalabi's root wound without solve, they presented apologies. And a wondrous thing was that no trace of the blow of their arrows appeared in that blessed garment. Poor wretched I am, by way of supplication I asked. No harm from so many arrows of poplar wood occurred to Chalabi's blessed clothes, but then the affliction of a blow definitely occurred in his blessed leg. How did this happen? Chalabi replied, My father did not want me to leave Konya. He went on, I absented myself without his approval. The extent of a wound and affliction is because of the disturbance in his heart. The final outcome of the matter was that this group of bandits, one and all, went before Suleiman Pasha of Kastamonu, and they turned away from banditry. They joined the core of the Army of Islam and became engaged in making raids against the infidels. Uh, so, wow. yes. But yeah, so uh, the explanation of what happened to, you know, he all the arrows uh, didn't hurt him at all. He was impervious to them. Uh, but he did get w- wounded on his leg, and his explanation yeah. for that was that you know, his father sort of willed that to happen. So, yeah, yeah, he, and like, he, exactly. you know, there's an emphasis, like it was in his heart. There was a disturbance in his heart. Um, yeah. So his externality is linked he, to this sort of interior world. He willed world it. Where he he willed it yeah. basically to happen. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Try to find the one about, uh, that's about Samet, like illicit uh, and illicit Samet, because it's a, that's a pretty uh, interesting thing to, to consider uh, vis-a-vis or like earlier. Uh, or, you know, our, our conversation just now about music, because that mm-hmm. it really is something that runs throughout this whole thing. You know, that's really, like, as we've seen, it's a locus for uh, these miraculous things to happen. Like, in that great, uh, you know, my favorite of these stories, the Rukun Aldin story, you know, uh, it's in the Sama that these, uh, uh, he's in this is Sama while these events are happening. Um, mm-hmm. I'll find the one where it talks about this stuff. So, one day... Uh, they asked about the secret of Sameh. Uh, mm-hmm. He replied, Divine manifestation and beholding God occurs more often for the men of God during the Sameh. They have come forth from the world of their existence. The Sameh brings them forth from other worlds and conducts them to a meeting with God. In brief, there is a Sameh which is forbidden. 
the one who actually said it is forbidden, did something very important. Such a Sameh is unbelief. The hand which is raised without that ascetic state, most certainly that person's hand and foot will be punished in hell. The hand which is raised in that ecstatic state most certainly will reach paradise, and there is a Sameh which is permissible. That is the Sameh of those who practice self-mortification and asceticism, which makes them shed tears and feel tenderness. And there is a Sameh which is a religious duty, and that is the Sameh of those who experience ecstatic states, which is an individual religious duty, like the five ritual prayers and fasting during Ramadan. Just as consuming water and bread in times of need, this is an individual religious duty upon those who experience ecstatic states, for it is the support of their life. If one of the people of Sameh performs the Sameh in the East, and another adept of the Sameh performs the Sameh in the West, they are aware of one another's situation. So, uh, again, we have this sort of, like, uh, long-distance communication, uh, but also, like, this kind of double standard, almost, of uh, how this works. Like, uh, it's okay. not licit if you're forcing it. You know, if you're doing it on purpose, then it is this sort of forbidden thing uh, where if you're not in this ecstatic state and you're kind of listening and, uh, you know, uh, imitating it or, or dancing around, this is a controversy uh, in a lot of, yeah. uh, you well, know... Uh, just for clarifications purposes, what 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 is the specific definition of a sema? It's uh, it means listening. So okay. it's actually interesting because now it's like CE five, into the uh, yeah, kind of yeah. Well, yeah, it, it, sort of. Like nowadays, people associate it with the very specific type of dancing that like Mevlevi dervishes do, like for tourists, okay. Okay, uh, okay. and it, like me, what. In the traditional context, it means basically something different, which is that this is sort of a music listening session. Samet literally means listening. Okay. Um, so, like, uh, some people call it audition, but, like, in the sense of, like, the, uh, na- like, you know, not, a, like, a rehearsal, but, like, a, or a tryout for a play or something, but, like, a, uh, uh, you know, like, listening, like, the audience uh, auditioning. Okay, like, um, okay. So, yeah, it literally means, like, uh, to, to, like listening. It's the verb of, like, to, uh, the noun form of to listen. So, basically, like, it's not a dance with specific movements or choreography in the traditional sense. What mm-hmm. it is, is it's the uh, listening to uh, this music and uh, reacting to it. And, of hmm. course, like, music, as we know, like, has uh, a lot of controversy in the totalitarian evil uh, religion of, of Islam that uh, destroys Western civilization. But, sure. like, the... <laughs> yes, right, uh, the, sure. The, uh, like, Only the very, the like... Drum, right? <clears throat> Only the yeah. Only um, oh, the the daff. Yeah, of course. Oh, the yeah, that's the, yeah. That's, that's the only drum. You, yeah, exactly. Um, but um, right. And auto tune like, if you're in the Islamic state. Uh, a tasteful uh, amount yeah, of auto tune. Yeah, tasteful. Yeah, exactly. The human yeah. voice. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously they use all sorts of different instruments. Um, the rebek and all these different instruments, the nay flute and things like that. But uh, so there's this is definitely within the range of that uh, uh, that controversy. And there's also like a sub controversy over even if you accept that it's okay if you're in an ecstatic state. There's a controversy over whether you know uh, can you like sort of imitate an ecstatic state until you get to the actual point, or do you have to just wait hmm. until you really get it? You know, there's that whole thing as well. Yeah. So he's kind of saying uh here that like beholding god happens uh through this uh process and uh it brings them forth from the world of their existence and uh so there's a type of samet that is not allowed and that's when you don't have this ecstatic state and you're just sort of dancing 
But if you do have it, then it actually becomes, it's more blessed. In the same way he's saying that, like, you know, he says, if you dance without the exact state, then you're definitely going to hell. But if you dance mm-hmm. with the exact state, then you're definitely going to heaven, which is a pretty big deal. So the, faking uh, it is not okay. Faking it is yeah, not okay. Uh, um, or just but dancing you can also... for, like, the sake of dancing. It has to be, you know, for this this as this ecstatic thing. And it has mm. to be, you know... There's also a situation where there's a story in here about where he talks about Shamlin asks, like, Shams, uh, I guess, had a little bit of drinking habit, which, of mm-hmm. course, you know, Arumi's um, uh, teacher and, like, his really close uh, friend, very, very special friendship. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so uh, someone, you know, uh, one of these sort of uh, pedantic uh, juristic types uh, asked uh, Milana, you know, well, is drinking, is, is drinking forbidden? You know, is drinking haram or not? And he said, well, it depends, you know, if you throw like a pig carcass into the ocean or something like that doesn't uh, like make the ocean impure. Mm. Uh, Like, you know, so someone with the like the oceanic soul of Shams, it doesn't matter. Like he can do it. But like for you, like even eating bread is forbidden because like your mother's a whore (laughs) or whatever, you know, (laughs) like something like that, like uh, like something like intense like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so there's like this. uh this whole idea like of when you sort of play with these boundaries uh there's a quote from uh Kusheri, like you know uh, several hundred years before this but a common concept um which is uh you know that like uh we we're balanced on the edge of the sword where one end is paradise the other end is, is hell you know where we have to be very careful with what we're doing because we're mm-hmm. uh involved in these sort of yeah uh this is an interesting little tidbit that i just uh stumbled upon uh someone asked about wisdom uh, or hekma he replied wisdom is of three kinds one is in speech the second is in action the third is in sight the wisdom of speech belongs to the religious scholars the wisdom of action belongs to the worshipers and the wisdom of sight belongs to the knowers the sage hakim does not get angry with a person who disagrees with him and he does not take revenge against a person who treats him unjustly they said to bastami who is another uh you walk on water and in the air he replied, a dried out piece of wood walks on water. Birds also fly in the air and magicians also travel from Mount Kaf to Mount Kaf in one night. Consequently, the work of manly men is that their heart does not attach itself to anything other than God the Most High. Um, <laughs> I, I like it. That's the, is that the second time I've heard him invoke the adjective of like manliness and being a manly uh, man? Yeah, I think that the word is probably uh, Mardan, which is just like sort of a, a like man. Yeah, but man, manly man is like a big thing, like especially later on, like after uh, in the sort of a consolidation and, and uh, um, you know, the uh, systematization of like the Melevi Tharaka as like an order itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like, uh, there's a connection with, uh, what's called, a uh, Futuvat or, uh, uh, Futuvat, depending, um, again, your pronunciation, but, which mm-hmm. is, like, uh, chivalry, basically. And okay. I think, like, this could be its own, like, sort of episode, but this is a big thing in, like, uh, these sort of Persian, uh, or, like, uh, orders, which, of course, like, are hyper-masculine. There is some stuff about, like, righteous women and stuff in here, but, of course, there's also, like, uh, in some of the stories whether we get time to read them or not, like there's also like a lot of very misogynistic stories. Yeah. So there's definitely like, a huge emphasis on like masculinity, obviously. And a lot of this mm-hmm. is like the energy uh, for the disciples and stuff like that. You know, maybe these bandits or whatever, like uh, to use that example, uh, it's the energy of like these young men that's being mm-hmm. channeled into like this sort of like religious context and some of these rituals, you know, I think that we talked about very, very early on. And like uh, when we were talking about the connections between like Freemasonry 
and the Grail myth and mm-hmm. uh, you know the Templars and and maybe uh, the the assimilation of uh, Islamic ideas or practices. You know there there is the whole thing, the idea of the goblet, which you can see in this. You know the the mm. sac- sacrality of the the image of the goblet of wine, you know, uh, as a, uh, maybe a, a metaphor or in some cases, maybe a, a literal thing. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So like, uh, that type of stuff, like in those, uh, those groups, like those sort of, uh, chivalrous or like, uh, you know, young, young manly, literally food means like young manliness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, <laughs> so like, in those like types of orders, like that's the type of thing where, like certain scholars, I don't know like what the actual truth of this is because I think it's like a little bit too facile. But definitely uh, certain scholars, like uh, Syed Hussein Nasser, has said that like you know the idea of chivalry in the West can be traced to these sort of groups uh, of uh, like these Futuvat orders um, mm. or oh, these like okay. Aki type groups. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, Aki hoods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. For access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Hour of Frequency at patreon.com slash subliminal jihad.